HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we explore the relationship between food and style. I knew from the start that I never wanted to, like, hot glue bread onto my body. <laughs> like, I wanted to be able to enjoy it after, and I did. Food, which is so ephemeral, right? It's something that you eat and it disappears. With an image, it remains. It stays alive forever. Food and fashion align in that they're both lenses through which to look at culture, right? And they're both also tangible things we can use to express ourselves and our identities. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Analia Krebs, founder and CEO of Social Nature, a product discovery and trial platform in the better for you CPG space. Today, over a half million shoppers across North America use Social Nature to sample better products and over 500 food and health brands like Haven's Kitchen have launched their products into retailers like Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, and more. Analia is a frequent keynote speaker on next-gen retail marketing, D2C marketing, and believes that everyday consumers have influence and that people trust friends, not ads. Welcome, Analia. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Um, I am thrilled that you're on the show. Um, I, you know, we spoke last week and I very rarely in life find win-win-wins, you know, where everyone is just benefiting from a product or a service. In this case, you know, social nature helps consumers find better for you products um, and sample things. And it helps brands reach consumers in a multiple, you know, multiple ways. And it gives us like a bunch of added benefits, which we'll get to. And it helps retailers um, because the samples are, you know, through couponing where people go into stores and actually 
pull product off shelf, which makes stores very happy. Um, so that's my assessment of <laughs> what social nature is and why it's so awesome. But maybe um, you can tell me just a little bit about how you describe it, how you got to it, um, how it works. Right on. Well, I almost couldn't have said it better myself. So <laughs> thank you for, for doing it justice. Uh, but really, yeah, I mean, it, it starts from a real passion for promoting good stuff and, and mm-hmm. wanting to see, see these better for you, better for the planet products stay on grocery shelves, as we all know how competitive it is on the shelf and, and then helping more consumers discover these amazing products and these amazing stories behind so many of these products as all mm-hmm. of these are often mission-led brands. And so we really kind of see ourselves as almost like a bit of like a matchmaker, right? Yeah. Where there's the old dating site analogy of, you know, we're, we're here to make the match and this time it's to make the match between the consumer um, and the brand and, the, and their products. And we want the consumer to fall in love with the with the products that we introduce them to so that, you know, the brand gains a new loyal customer for life. And, and that's how we're, you know, going to help grow um, this ecosystem is if we can just make it really easy at the end of the day for people to try something new, in our case, try something better. Right. <laughs> and, and, and so that's really the stance that we've always taken is like, how can we make it so easy? And that's really where we started off with sampling. And you, it came to be, I mean, cause I, the first thing I asked you when we spoke was like, how did you come to this brilliant idea? Like, mm. it, it, like I just, you know, there's a bigger story there. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it came to be through another business that you were doing. Yes. Yes. So I've been an entrepreneur for just over a decade now. And so Social Nature has been around for six years, but prior to that, I was running a company called Ethical Deal, still in the same vein of promoting good stuff, not junk. But uh, this right. time it was it was almost like a green Groupon. So we were promoting greener choices in your city at 50% off using the Daily Deal model. And again, what I loved about that model was it made it easy to try something new. So that's really a common theme between ethical deal and now social nature, just with different approaches. But it was, um, we were in our fourth year of um, running daily green deals and we were working across North America and uh, it was, we had a loyal, loyal following of ethical shoppers who were using us to discover these new things, whether it was vegan restaurants or organic spas or naturopaths or personal (laughs) Mm -hmm. trainers, like whatever it was. And so um, fourth year, every year, we had a practice, of course, of surveying our community and asking what we could do better, what we could do differently. And so in that fourth year, they said, hey, like, thank you for introducing me to the greener choices in my city, having lots of fun discovering these different things. But what about the greener choices in my home? What about the things that I eat for breakfast, the thing that I, you know, give to my pets or clean my floors with or whatever, put on my skin in the shower? there's got to be some greener choices there. And how can you make it easy for me to try those types of things? And so that was really where Mm -hmm. um, we started talking to food and health brand manufacturers as previously it was more local service, um, you know, retail uh, restaurants and so forth. And so I remember picking up the phone to 
uh, a couple larger uh, brands and saying, I have this, this community of ethical shoppers. They want to try your products. The way we work is 50% off, deal a day. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, right. I, I, I can't, I can't do 50% off, you know, the, the retailers would will kill me, right? will kill me pretty much. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, shoot, because it had worked so well for all these spas and restaurants, but it wasn't working, it wasn't translating to manufacturers. And so, um, you know, I was kind of feeling discouraged, just kind of about to hang up and try to think about a different way of doing this. And then they're like, oh, but we can give it away for free. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> which is like, what? That's even better than 50% off. Right. But, uh, but as I peeled back the layers and understood, you know, really what, why, why uh, they could do that, it was because by sampling, uh, which of course has been around for, for eons in, in mm-hmm. the consumer packaged goods industry, that is the path to purchase. That is, if you can, you know, give someone a taste of your product, they will walk into the grocery store near them and and buy the product, and that helps the retailer, helps the brand, and so forth. So, yeah. once I understood that, um, I knew that I needed to kind of shift the the how in a pretty big way from the daily deal model to a sampling model. And uh, it was such a big shift from, I mean, the brand name, Ethical right. Deal was so kind of entrenched in, in our community's mind as kind of deal of the day. Yep. And then our website, it was like more or less an e-commerce website where people, you know, I made money on consumers purchasing green deals every day. Right. So the whole business model was changing. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to- company. I'm going to need to create a new company. Yeah. yeah. In, in response to these, this community members asked, but what I really- loved and the continuity that was there was certainly introducing people to greener choices. Now it was just coming from the city um, in their neighborhood into the home, which honestly felt like one step closer, you know, to yeah. to shifting people's um, everyday habits, yeah. not just their weekly habits. That, that was exciting. Um, and then again, that, that continuity of making it easy. I mean, how much more easy is it than Getting a free product. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, yeah, I mean, we, so we, you know, I think anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that, you know, when we were in Anaheim for last year's Expo West and it was canceled and it was, you know, March 5th or whatever it was, and there was this possibility of a pandemic and we just kind of were like, you know, we're about to open 500 Whole Foods stores when we went, you know, national with them. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, there's going to be no samples. Like mm. there, this is, even if it's a couple months, it's, it's still not a, how are we going to launch? In all of these cities across America, you know, that don't know what Haven's Kitchen is and has never seen sauce in a pouch. Um mm-hmm. And so for us, the idea that, you know, you can, it, because a lot of people, you know, they send, they send samples, but for a refrigerated product where you have to buy a case and it's $49 for a case, like that's Mm -hmm. not a great viable alternative for us either. We'll do it. It's not ideal, but it's not, it's not a, it's not a scalable sampling program. Um, Mm -hmm. So this was just like, wait. We, we get a consumer survey, we get to get pull off the shelves because we're, you know, sending people coupons and then we get reviews. 
And mm-hmm. the reviews are uploaded to our website. So I think we have something like 4,000 reviews on our website. Awesome. You know, they're, I mean, they're thoughtful and they're written out and they say what they do with it and they say what they loved. And, and, and the ones that, you know, I think we had, uh, you know, I don't know, mostly it was like four point eight stars or something or whatever it was, you know, it was like mostly five star reviews, but even the ones that were, you know, the occasional three or the occasional two star, those were really helpful too, because a lot of times they were like, I couldn't find this at the store, mm-hmm. which is very helpful to us, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I thought the price point looked high, you know, for how much was in it. Those are things that are great to know. Um, because A, it helps to sort of like talk to the buyers potentially about, you know, what's going on, look into voids where we are, and also, you know, speak to the issues that people love about it more and also speak to the issues that people might not love about it, you know, before they try it. So, um, I love that. I love that there's, and that's, you know, I love that you've had a positive experience and I'm glad we got the match right back to the dating analogy. 4.8 right. out of five stars. People fell in love with it. That is exactly what, what we want. Um, and, and it's all those, those value points that um, going back to kind of the, the founding story, it's, you know, I knew that I needed to, now I needed to create, you know, if it was going to be free for consumers, I needed to create value for the brands. Right, right. <laughs> and so that's where we really started thinking through, um, you know, what do we need? What do we need? What do they need to succeed? And and learning more about, you know, the pain points and staying on shelf and um, hitting these, you know, velocity targets and growing, growing um, into new households and the importance of new customer acquisition and all these things we started learning about and um and that's where where all those layers uh started started coming in and then more recently of course um as more brands even those who really focus on in store have gone online at least you know whether it's click and collect or you know, whatever mm-hmm. online means for them that's where the reviews and the email opt-ins and so forth also came into play. Right. Yep. I want to talk about that too after the break. But before we go to the break, I also want to say there's something also, you know, not every consumer is of the same potential value. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even if, you know, I did however many, however many, you know, demos, right? I, I mean, I went to stores all over the Northeast and I was standing there and do you want to try some sauce and, you know, building connections and some, and some of them, you just knew, like, they were like, nope, I make my own, fine, I'll try it, but no. And then some of them, you could see that they were kind of like looking for something to put with their lamb chops. And you were like, I'm going to be helpful to this person, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and like, this is my consumer. How do you guys, because I know that your consumer is very valuable. And like you said, it's a match. It's not just like, you're not just throwing out you know, fish food and seeing who comes and eats it. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a method and I'm curious about that. Sure. Yes. So our secret sauce is really um, in part the data that we collect on our members. So when our community members sign up to social nature, you know, we interview them, we, we, we get, we, we ask all sorts of questions, everything from 
the usual dietary preferences um, right through to their household makeup, you know, whether they are expected. We even know if people are expecting a baby. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> like, you know, we'll, we'll ask them and, you know, it's their choice to disclose, but uh-huh. we'll know what we'll know what pets they have. We'll know, um, right. you know, what what they're looking for is, is sugar free, important to them. We'll start to understand their health goals. Mm-hmm. So we start to understand, you know, are they looking to reduce stress? Are they looking to um, improve digestion, um, uh, increase fitness. And it's been, and there's lots of, so there's lots of different ways that we can target about 50 different data points. We collect the usual demographics, of course. Um, and then the, and then the brand, um, when they do work with us, they get to ask some custom Mm -hmm. questions on top of the, the profile data that we have. And so this is where, you know, we can't have all the data on everything, even, even as much as we would like. So if there is something that you'd really like to target by, Let's ask the question and yes. and and let's drill down on that. So often things like um, category users, right, yes. right down to the most specific category ever, um, we we can get we can drill down into or even uh, consumers that purchase competitive brands. Sometimes right. that's a request or consumers that live um, in around stores that either have high sales or lower sales if they're trying to support struggling regions. So almost any targeting request that you can dream up, we can do it between the profile data and the custom questions. Yeah, And so that's really where we can drill down um, and and target. Uh, And then, of course, there's also the interaction that we can track on our platform is our community, you know, engages with different product categories or writes reviews on different products. And if we see trends around, oh, this type of consumer likes these types of products, our algorithm will invite them to the next similar product campaign. So there's things on the front end and back end. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. All right. Let's take a little break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about sampling and COVID and, and everything. So, so, okay. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm back with Analia Krebs from Social Nature. Um, okay, so we we talked about sort of step one. Step one is 
you know, you have this, this community of consumers, you know who they are, you know, if they live within 10 miles of a Whole Foods, you know, um, you know, how many people in their households, you know, how often they buy sauce, all of that, right? <laughs> and then you work with the brand to figure out, are there any specific other questions that you want to do? Um, you got it. Uh, for us, I know that we've done sort of campaigns. So when we launched Barbecue, we did a campaign specifically around that. When we wanted to um, bump up, you know, things at Fred Meyer, we did a campaign around that. So how, um, I I think, can you explain sort of like how a brand you know, how a brand would come to you with a specific sort of need and how you would help them build a campaign around that. Sure. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of use cases, very common use cases that, that we get. And sometimes it can depend on uh, where the brand is at in their life cycle. So mm-hmm. I'll start with um, emerging brands. So um, often, let's say you're an emerging brand, you're in, you know, 300 to 500 stores, 300 to 1,000 stores, let's say. And so here, you know, you're probably going to have a key account within that, whether it's Sprouts or Whole Foods or and maybe you're only in, you know, 500 Walmarts and mm-hmm. and you've got to support that key account. And, and so in those cases, we will ask for the brand's distribution list. Say they're in 500 stores at Walmart, right? Um, they'll they'll give us their their physical distribution list, and we'll start to geotarget around those 500 stores so that we're not wasting any right. samples, right? Because so often with when you're sending samples out direct to consumer, whether it's a box program or otherwise. Mm-hmm you don't know if those consumers are living near your 500 points of distribution, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's really important to, for us to do that geo-targeting, especially for those emerging brands that are still growing their distribution footprint. And so alternatively, of course, if they want to go in on that key account focus, then again, we have those lists. We'll target around those stores. We'll ask our community members, do you regularly shop at Whole Foods Market? Mm-hmm. And then we'll do a co-branded coupon. So we'll actually highlight, you know, the logo of that retailer on the coupon, making it crystal clear that this coupon is just to be used at that specific retailer. Right, right. And then we'll also support that campaign with a personalized store locator where the consumer is actually we make it easy. We, we show them the three Whole Foods stores that yeah. they can redeem that coupon it's at. It's so crazy. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it gets pretty detailed. It's, it's, yeah. it's really, but but that's really where we get those high response rates. I mean, we right. get 70% response rates on the back end of these couponing campaigns, which is about 10 times higher than industry average. So yeah. that's, you know, it takes those details to, to, to get there. But yeah, supporting key accounts, supporting specific regions or, or regional distribution, very common use cases. And then as you, as you kind of get more established as a brand, perhaps you're in 10,000 plus stores at this point, you might actually choose to work with us and support all of your distribution and do what we call a retailer agnostic campaign. And that would make sense if um, you know, you want consumers to know that you're available at these 10,000 10, points of distribution and you just want the consumer to go into whatever store is most convenient for them. Right. Um, and so we can support that type of programming as well. 
Um, and then the other use case are, are brands that uh, they're they just want some some reviews to, right. to syndicate to their website or to their e-commerce channels. As we know, Walmart.com, Kroger, Albertsons, Sprouts, all of these retailers are looking to compete against Amazon. And part right. of that is growing their review footprint. And so a lot of brands will come to us and say, hey, you know, I need reviews across my entire product line. Um, and, uh, and I need to syndicate them to, to my e-commerce channels. And so we can turn that around in, you know, six weeks. So uh, question about that, because yeah. I, I, I know that we got, you know, we got how it would like our 4,000 or whatever it is. I think it's more reviews and that we uploaded them to our own website. Um, yeah. and I feel like there's like, even though we don't have a huge D2C business, I know that it's kind of, I think it's important to have reviews there, even if it's not going to be a huge part of your business. But does it also do something in like this SEO world? Like, is there something, is there some other added benefit to having reviews on your own website, even if D2C isn't like a huge part of the sales? 100% and you, you nailed it. It's really all about that online product discovery. And what we've seen is even for the perishable or frozen products, the, the path to purchase starts online. And what I mean by yep. that is from a discovery yep. standpoint, right? So people are Googling or whatever search engine they're using um, for, you know, insert best product reviews or top rated product or where to buy or discount or recipes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I just think of reviews as another form of content. Um, so just as you're looking at, you know, building up your blog strategy and your or, or um, other types of content on your website, reviews are a piece of content that's going to help influence um, the purchase, even if that purchase happens offline. And right. So and, and especially for these um, online retailers as well. I mean, that's all about SEO. If someone's searching for a product on, you know, walmart.com and if that brand has more reviews than another brand, you're going to start to populate um, higher on search results, just as you would on Google. Right. And that's my second question. So I know that we can take those reviews and we can we can populate them or however, upload them or whatever it is onto our website. Are we also able to do that to the to the retailer's website? Yes, you can. And so the, the how on that, this, it's a bit of a multi-step. Mm-hmm. So we've partnered with um, a couple different providers in the space that have partnerships with retailers. And so our reviews are fully compatible with all the all the retailers, everyone except Amazon, I'm afraid. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but that's that's a that's a different topic. So so yeah, we can syndicate to the Walmarts, the Sprouts, the Albertsons, the Krogers, the tar- the targets of the right. world wow. through these um, partners that we have. And so if a client is interested in that, we'll just refer them to one of our partners and then um, those reviews will easily get imported. Sure. Yeah, let's sure do that. Let's that. do that. <laughs> exactly. Note to self. Okay. Note so self. so I'm kind of walking through the process. I'm thinking again from the brand side because yes, most of yes. the people listening to this are are on the brand side. So you know you're you're setting up this campaign. You're already targeting consumers that are already more likely um, you know, have moved down into your funnel from random um, because of because of the pre-work that you guys have done. And then you're sending out coupons specifically to people either, you know, 
sending them specifically to stores that are geo-targeted or, you know, sending them to key accounts that you want them to support. Then Mm -hmm. they come back and you get all of your reviews, which are, you know, glowing and amazing. And then, and this is something you and I talked about, we also get emails. Yes. Okay. So that is a huge piece of the pie too, because, you know, Those consumers, you know, people have heard me on this too, talking about, you know, it's really the only channel where you are actually communicating directly with your consumer. Like you really are talking to them and you're sending them exactly what you want and you can see how they respond in a way that you just can't through paid ads. Um, and, And I remember you saying like that social nature consumer is, is a valuable consumer. Um, and communicating with them is really important and saying, and we just sent ours last week where it's like, hi, thank you for trying our, you know, our sauces through social nature. We hope you like it. Here's a discount code for, you know, if you want to buy directly, let us know, blah, 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 blah. But Mm -hmm. A, I want to, can you just tell me a little bit, why is that consumer so valuable and why is it so important to keep in touch with them? Yes. So, I mean, these are the, these are consumers that let, let's talk about that journey for a second because I think it's so. There's a lot hap- There's a lot happening before they've tried your product, right? Mm-hmm. So your your product has gone up on our website. Uh, that we've email marketed your your product and all of its um, kind of features and benefits directly to our community. Now, you there, there's a there's a myth out there right that if you put free product out there everybody is going to respond that's right. not the case that's not the case there's so much noise and distraction in people's inboxes nowadays right mm-hmm. there's so many different things pulling the getting trying to get the consumer's attention so for those consumers maybe it's 10% maybe it's 20% if you're really lucky it's 30% right that that you know read the email and converted and clicked on that email, Mm -hmm. that's already, you've captured their attention. So something about your product and are the features and benefits and the beautiful images and video and all the things that we do to, you know, light up your brand and tell your brand story to our community, that caught their attention. So so you've got their attention. Now they have answered a five-question survey telling you some interesting information, you know, uh, uh, and from there, we funneled it down even further based on our, our targeted criteria, which is based on your ideal consumer profile, mm-hmm. right? So not everybody who even expressed interest and clicked on the email yes, and answered coupons. the five questions, mm-hmm. exactly, gets, gets the product because we're weeding it out along the way. And so now that we've got those, whatever it is, let's say it's 5,000 people that have gone into the store, you know, got off their couch, gone to the store, right? Uh, right. Found your product in the store. Sometimes even that can be a battle to find products in the mm-hmm. store, right? And then come back and written a review. I mean, yeah. like, they're how like valuable your best is friend. that consumer? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, and, and, you know, they live near, they live near the retailer where you're sold at. So again, if they like your product, now it's easy to buy your product on mm-hmm. an ongoing basis. So all the things. So now we just need to keep top of mind. And that's where the email opt-in comes into play, where right. if you can email them and you just, you just remind them about your brand and, 
you know, whether, whether it's recipes, whether it's content, whether it's your brand story, whether it's offers, whether it's an announcement that you're, you know, launching a new product, whatever it is, um, that's, I mean, yeah, those, those are the people that we just want to give, you know, a friendly reach out to at least yeah. once a month uh, and stay top of mind. And then next time they're in the grocery store, right, whether it was that recipe or, um, or another discount, yep. uh, whatever it was, they'll remember, they'll remember, yeah. and they'll put you in their basket. And then let's talk a little bit about the retailer side, because, you mm-hmm. know, I, I now, I mean, I think I've also talked about this, like, you know, a retailer deck when you're, when you're, you know, when you're trying to get a buyer to, to take you, right. It's obviously here's the brand story. Here's our mission. Here's our product. Here's what the category looks like now. Here's why we're different. And then they all want to know, how are you going to promote, you know, and the Mm -hmm. way that you used to promote was, you know, you committed to a certain number of, you know, promotions like yellow tags, we're going to do, you know, four at $5.99 and two buy one, get ones or whatever it is. Right. And they wanted to know that you would buy an ad in the circular, you know, (laughs) which is no longer. And they wanted you to commit to demos Mm -hmm. because, you know, like I've been saying this now, I've been doing this podcast for three years. There are a couple of things that I have learned over and over and over again. And one of them is that you do not ring the bell when you get the first sale. You ring the bell when you're turning there and you have consistent sales and you're like your velocities are growing because a lot of retailers will give you a chance on shelf. But if you don't make the most out of that space and do everything you can to sell and to move, then they're going to put someone else in in the next year. So mm-hmm. part of getting them excited about the brand is definitely telling them how you're going to support them. And We've definitely been saying we will be doing social nature campaigns specifically around you, retailer. Um, and they're starting to to realize that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're mm-hmm. starting to to recognize the name. Um, I think it's also, you know, they when you write to them after three months and you say, you know, how we're doing there. And you're able to say, you know, look at these reviews, because a lot of times in the social nature reviews, they'll say, I bought this at Whole Foods, and it was very easy to find. And it was next to the cauliflower. And that night I made a gingery miso cauliflower. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. We quote those directly to our retailers. Love it. You know, because you have 4,000 people responding you know, and then when you have hundreds of them saying, and this is what we just did when we pitched for next year, I want an X, Y, Z, and you see a theme, right? And like, yes. even if 200 of the 4,000 say, I wish this came in a bigger size, or, you know, I would love to see a, this flavor from this brand. You can literally just take those and and use them, you know? I mean, so those are how I'm thinking, Yes. Um, yes. And I think, you know, again, the pulling, they, they all want to see product get sold off the shelf. Um, How, do you have any other thoughts about how this really just will excite the retailers um, or how it has? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. We we always share um, a kind of a, a campaign insights report with the, with each campaign, and so often our clients will say, "Can you send me like a PowerPoint, like the raw file?" Because I'm taking screenshots and slides into right. my next retailer presentation. So <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did definitely, that. Yes, yeah, yeah, so we, we know it's being used. So the so the so often the, the slides that kind of or the insights, I should say, that that light um, light up our our brands is the so. To your point, you know, the buyer is asking, how are you different? And, you know, with all the other uh, products on the shelf. And so one of the questions we commonly ask our community members is, why are you interested in this specific product? And mm-hmm. how would you rate the product attributes from most important to least important? And so right. there's only so much, you know, room on your package to state what's important. Right. And there's yep. only... Um, uh, and, and if you have a unique attribute, which so many, of course, natural and organic products do, um, then on the competitive set on the shelf, if, if you're if you're the only, um, you know, product that has a specific uh, attribute that's less common in your category, and if right. that was one of the top three reasons that consumers wanted to try your product that starts to become a compelling narrative for mm-hmm. you should have my product on the shelf, especially when that narrative is from, you know, several thousand Right. People. It's a real sample size. This it's a significant, like, you know, your four is, friends. Right. Ex- well, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's just it. I mean, when we think about the alternative, I mean, it's uh, it's a focus group and usually it's, you know, what, a 20 to 50 people in a focus group yep. or it's a survey. And if you're lucky, you'll get a couple hundred responses. Yeah. But so often this is this is into the thousands. And right. so it is it is significant um, data. And we have data not only on those people who have tried the product, but also those who expressed interest in the product and hadn't even tried it, right. which is particularly interesting because right. now that's speaking to the retailer, right? There's a consumer walking through your aisle. They haven't tried your product, but they're looking at the different product. They're pulling it off the shelf and they're looking at what's on the packaging. And that's we're translating that experience into a digital experience, right? Yep. We're, we're, we're promoting the package. We're saying, Here, here's our digital shelf with all the different products. Which products catch your eye? And that's the click, it, right? And then they're yep. answering the survey as to why that product caught my eye. And, and, and in this case, you know, they've probably watched a video about the product. Right. And they've, and they've looked at, you know, why it's better and the ingredients. And they've, they've gotten the information that, you know, we can share in that product listing. And then they're responding to those five questions. So, um, it really is an indicator of consumer demand. And so we've had our clients even start to seed interest for new products mm-hmm. that they aren't even having on the shelf yet, but are using this consumer demand data to, um, you know, ask questions, to, ask questions right. and, and validate, you know, even, even flavor options. What yep. flavor would you like? No, what 100%. format would you like? What price would you pay? I yep. mean, these are these are the questions that normally, again, you would ask a focus group, but you you can ask our community members as part of your sampling campaign, even for products you're not sampling yet. Yeah, um, that's, it's so it's so cool. And going back to the retailer, there's nothing that a retailer likes more than like de-risking taking on a new product, right? Yes, so if you're yes. if you're basically saying, you know, because I mean, I'll be honest, everyone knows this who listens, like we didn't, we didn't have anything on the front of our pack. Like I was like, everyone will know what this is. Everyone will know what to do with it. I don't know. People are kind of like, does at this point they can look at the back of the ingredients and they can see that it's vegan and gluten-free and they can see, you know, but 
that is not the case. The, the, uh, the retail shelf is, is still, maybe that's the case with D to C brands or like digitally native, like super brand forward brands, but the grocery store shelf, there is stuff that needs to be on the front of the package. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be, even for us, like explanation of what to do with what's in the package, unless it is a very, I mean, you see crackers that are like, put a cucumber on me, dip me into hummus, right? Like yeah, <laughs> crackers are not hard, yeah. right? To know what to do with. And yet like, there are just, there are some things that we all still have to do. And when you're like us and you're kind of breaking into a new place in the store and you're trying to create a new category and you're trying to explain what, you know, Harissa and Romesco and Chimichurri are to consumers that haven't necessarily seen those flavors. It's very scary to be a buyer and give us, you know, 16 inches on their shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. They, they want to try, they want to be innovative. They want to keep young people coming. They know that there's something trendy about what we're doing, but it's scary. And if we can de-risk that for them and say, listen, 3,000 people have said, these are the three most important things. And these three things are on the front of our package, loud and clear. It just gives them a little bit of like rest, I, yes. I think, you know? Yes, yes. And to your point, um, the usage occasions too, right? Right. Like, and here is how the consumer is using them based mm-hmm. on these X thousands of people that have tried the product. And so, you know, it's not just this one narrow use case, it's these 10 other use cases. Mm-hmm. And so that can also help. Um, and I mean, the reta- for the retailers, we're sending them, uh, you know, either shoppers that already shop at their store since they live near the the, the retailer, right. um, but but they're going into the store. They're spending. They're they're not just going in to pick up one thing, right? Right. <laughs> they're right. spending. They're they're buying their groceries, and so we're we're encouraging more visits. Um, we might even be sending them new shoppers to the yep. store that that haven't yet gone. So, yeah, I mean. It's it's all good news for the retailer and just to and just to your point around the promotional piece too for them to know that the brand has access to a community of new customers that they can drive into the store yes. that's a an attractive proposition yeah so I want to kind of talk about two things that you mentioned that almost seem at odds with each other and this is where social nature seems to like hit the nexus or the axis or whatever, I don't know the word (laughs) in math. So, you know, sampling has been around forever. Uh, To your point, path to purchase is giving people a taste. As as much as we think that um, consumers are driven by the way that something looks, at the end of the day for a grocery store product, they're not going to spend $6.99 on something they've never tried before for the most part. Like a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. And that's why anyone who says like, don't don't go on sale, they're wrong. Like you have to go on sale because you don't wanna promote to the point where you're only consumers or people that buy you when you're on sale. But yeah. it's a way to give people access to the product, they try it, presumably they love it, and then they wanna buy it again. So sampling, you know, to your point, physical, tasting it, touching it, holding it, trying it is critical. And the counter to that is that 
the path to purchase starts online. That now we live in a digital world where consumers are doing much more discovery through Instagram and Pinterest and, you know, on Google and on YouTube and on Amazon and everywhere. And you've brought together the two. Mm -hmm. So people can explore and, you know, like start to discover things online, but then they can also have this, you know, tactile experience and take action and sample it. Do you think that, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think COVID has just sort of changed things permanently? Do you think it just sped up what was already starting to happen where, you know, demos as, as nice as they are, they're really expensive. You can't control what's going on in like all these cities across America with like demo teams you've never met. Sometimes you don't even have product for them to demo with like it it was such a cumbersome you know analog thing Mm -hmm. do you Mm -hmm. think this is just demos of kind of you know they're gonna fade off into the sunset I think so um I think so I think I I mean there's there's I, I think we'll see new form, new, like new innovation, right, around around sampling. So, so because sampling itself is here to stay, how how we sample is what's going to change. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the the traditional in store demo, as you just described. Um, I mean, I know some retailers are bringing that back, and, mm-hmm. and, and they're going to try. They're going to try. <laughs> um, but but I really hope that that we do see more more innovation. I mean, our our programming has been, literally been nicknamed or coined a digital demo mm-hmm. uh, because of you know some of the, some of the parallels, but then also some of the points of difference. But so I'm I'm encouraged. Like. I, there's so much cool stuff that's that's coming out of when you know when we were forced to do something differently, mm-hmm. and so I'm positive and optimistic around that. I just I hope that uh, the retailers will be embracing that just as much as everyone everyone yeah. else is. That's that's really my hope, and I know it can be you know slower to change there. Um, for, for another thing that I hope and and I do know will be happening, we're we're part of. Um, uh, we're watching this very closely is digital couponing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, we're going to see that come through in a bigger way um, over the next couple uh, years. And, and that is going to for sure, you know, be adopted by retailers as well. So things are going to change. I mean, I'm already seeing retailers start to um, develop their more and more of their own loyalty apps, right? And to mm-hmm. kind of leverage digital technologies to offer their, suppliers more targeted options. So I think there's a leveling up across the whole um, industry as as we are using more digital digital first technologies to drive in-store impact. I think that's been that's really the big overarching shift is using digital to drive in-store impact. Right. Um, and and you know for better targeting, for more feedback, for email opt-ins, for for all the reasons. Yeah. Um, and and you know social nature was there six years ago so we have <laughs> right we have we have a bit of a head start on that you could say but um but there's I know there's going to be more innovation coming and yeah that's good for the industry so I'm excited 
So a couple more questions before we have to wrap up. Um, I'm curious, you know, you see so many brands and I love it when people just have this, like, they have, they have like that 30,000 foot view. And I'm curious what you think, what, what do you see that brands are doing where you're like, Ooh, wow, nice. They're that's smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what do you see brands doing where you're like, I wish I could just you know, pick up the phone and say, you know, here's, here's how I could help, you know, mm -hmm. sort of mistakes and then, you know, wins. Because mm -hmm. I want to make all the good, I want to do all the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. It'll probably blend together because sometimes, you know, it's, it's just the other side of the coin. So yeah, totally. we'll, we'll, we'll kind of talk about them um, as, as they come to me. So, yeah. so on the, on, on the email marketing front, I mean, to your very point, you know, you're, you're a perishable brand, yet you are building an email marketing, you know, mm -hmm. strategy into your mix. And so I think this is a common mistake that, that a lot of, uh, or sorry, so that's good. You're doing that good, but a common Thanks. mistake, a lot of perishable <laughs> or frozen, you know, or non DTC brands do is they'll be like, oh no, like I'm in store, so I don't need to be online. Right. And that is that is a huge mistake. Um, you know, whether it's developing an, an email strategy and building your own direct direct to consumer strategy, it doesn't have to be to directly sell. That's right. the thing. It's it's just to stay top of mind, it's to build a brand connection with those with those consumers. It's um I mean you can you can be testing your own you know, you can do your own focus groups with mm -hmm. once you have, you know, a sizable uh, newsletter audience. And if you've kept them engaged on like a biweekly or a monthly basis, they'll be responsive to yep. um, the different things and asks you might have for them. So such a huge uh, possibility. And absolutely, you do not need to be selling directly online to be able to, to invest in that. So I encourage yeah. that for, for all brands. So I love that you're doing and that. A question for you there, because I think the response to that, that I've heard a lot is that it's just, it's not that brands don't necessarily want to do it. It's that they don't know how to like attach a return on that investment. Like they feel a little bit like they're just like putting things out into the ether. And, you know, for the digitally native guys, like it's very easy to see the click-through rate and, you know, how many people actually end up buying from that email. If you're sending people, similar with like, you know, ads, you're kind of sending people out into the store and you never know if that's actually worked. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and I think what our brain just kind of shifted into like, it's, there doesn't have to be a direct return on that investment from a sales perspective, but we feel like, you know, building that community will have, it's a long game yes, in, in some way, right? Yes, it's a long game and you can measure engagement. So mm -hmm. say you produce a bunch of video content you can measure how many uh, views that video got, especially if you, you know, if you host it on your own platform or right. click, you know, click throughs, that's engagement. So you want, you definitely, I mean, a measure of success if you're not selling online, 100% should be engagement. How many right. people are engaging with your content? And my other favorite measure of success is how many of, how many of them are sharing your content, mm -hmm. right? So, so any kind of, um, you know, referral programs, even if it's, um, you mm -hmm. know, entering a contest, right? So there, there can be different 
contesting things that you can do on your social or on on your website itself, where you can also help build your email list in a really inexpensive way. Right. Um, uh, so there can be hacks like that that you do. And that's just, it's all about staying top of mind and, and getting them excited about your brand. I mean, the more that you can kind of be sharing also a little bit like behind the scenes. I love brands Mm -hmm. that do this. So, so great for, especially engaging with a younger um, consumer base, just showing your authentic self and your, and your brand story and how, uh, you know, hard and fun it is to to grow a brand just helps, (laughs) helps people connect with you. And so um, I love brands that are doing that. Uh, And the other the other thing is a little bit more nuanced, but I want to share it because I think it's kind of a great secret weapon. Yeah, um, sure. and and that is so often brands with their advertising strategy will will target by demographics, and you know it's what we've all been taught in, in school and whatnot. Um, you know what's what's the income level, the age range, um, you know gender, all those things. But nowadays, I mean, marketing by behavior. Or marketing mm-hmm. by usage occasion is so much more powerful. Yeah. First of all, you know you're going to expand uh, y- y- your audience. Let's say you're let's say you, you know you were kind of more part of the traditional mindset of marketing by age range. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's narrowing your scope. Right. You know whatever it is to the to the thirty to forty five year olds, or if if that's your sweet spot. But you know if you're a plant based product, let's just say for example. Why don't we market for to people that are interested mm-hmm. in plant based? Period, or right. people that um, purchase, uh, people that purchase in store, people that purchase online. Those are behaviors, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, or marketing, you know, marketing by usage occasion. People that are looking for convenient, um, uh, healthy meals um, for. Uh, weeknight dinners, right, right, <laughs> right. Like, like for that, example, <laughs> for <right>. example, plugging <laughs> kitchen. So, but 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 the more that you relate in your advertising, using those either usage occasions through images, videos is so mm-hmm. powerful, of course, um, copy, and then using um, the marketing by behaviors in your Facebook or Instagram or wherever you choose to to advertise segmenting. I think I think I've seen some brands uh, do that, especially actually. Interestingly, a lot of brands have been doing that in the supplement space, mm-hmm. where they, where, which was you know traditionally, um, uh, for lack of a better word, sometimes a little more old school in their marketing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but now I'm starting to see you know um, you know sleep better. Like who doesn't mm-hmm. want to sleep better, right? In their in their advertising, and it just. It's just so powerful. So that's that's another thing that I've seen um, more, yeah. Amazing. B- brands do well. Brands do well. No, amazing. Um, is there anything now that, you know, you're speaking to, I don't know, I would, a couple thousand, you know, early stage founders and marketers and people who might be eventually, is there anything you want to tell us that's been on your mind that you would like to share that you would like us to keep in mind or that you want us to stop doing? Hmm. Well, and I'm sure some of you have heard this before, um, but I, I'm such a fan of really digging, digging deep with specific retailers. 
mm-hmm. before going wide. jumping to the next jump mm-hmm. jumping to the next retailer or next region. So you can do this on a regional basis, which is which is really powerful, um, or or focusing on on a couple of key accounts, winning there. I mean, if you're winning there, other retailers will come and knock in, mm-hmm. right? Whereas yep. if you spread yourself too thin, and now you've got so many different, you know, partial regional. Um, uh, points of distribution with different chains across different regions to support from a marketing perspective, it just becomes harder and harder to create that density in terms of top of top of mind consumer awareness and so forth. So um, those brands that really just zone in and and I know it's so hard to say, but right. even say no yeah. to those retailers that come and say, I can, you know, do a test with you in this other state or yep. um, whatnot and just you know, no, not now. Um, that is the discipline that right. um, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, uh, pay off for for those emerging brands. I think that that's particularly good advice for all of my friends that are digitally native that are trying to figure out their retail strategy. Mm-hmm. There are more and more brands now that are like D to C brands that are now trying to figure out retail mm-hmm. um, because they've, you know, hit a certain threshold and they've done really well and now it's time. And, you know, similar to like me building out a D to C strategy, there's, there's just, they're completely different businesses. Um, mm-hmm. But when you think about kind of, you know, you're, you're a brand that has digital success, you're doing well, now it's time to think about what retailer is going to be the best fit now that I can, that I can build the case and I can really go in with them and I can, you know, own my set and win and then they'll come from there, you know, the mm-hmm. rest. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so for people who want to be consumers on Social Nature and fill out those amazing surveys and get um, coupons to get free samples, where should they go? They should go to socialnature.com. Um, anyone, anyone can sign up, but again, we'll, we'll act the role of the dating site and match you just, right. just to those products and brands that we think you'll fall in love with. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, you can just check out socialnature.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and all the places, um, where we, where we have lots of fun contests and different ways to engage. So it's, it's really at the end of the day, I feel like we have, you know, 600,000 going on a million members yeah. behind us in, in this mission of, of introducing people to good stuff. And, yeah. and, and, and they're really helping us spread, spread the word, uh, to, to, inf- and influencing their friends and family to try natural too. So yep. I, uh, I see the community as very much like the yeah. people behind, behind this mission. Huge. And if you are a brand, um, I guess the best thing to do is just DM me. (laughs) I don't want to be a gatekeeper, but like, I don't think we should give your email out into the world right now. You might be getting a lot of uh, incoming. So I I don't know, unless... Unless, no, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great idea. Okay. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you're so willing, um, uh, we we al- we also have uh, we also have a brand facing website. It's just socialnature.com forward slash marketing. Yes, and, go there, uh, go there, and and they can and they can go there and just for sure mention that you've uh, heard about social nature on this podcast and. 
Um, oh yeah, that yeah. would be helpful. Thank you. That would, That's that good. would be great. Um, and uh, but yeah, I I mean I'm pretty accessible. We're we're a team of about 25 people now, and um, there's a great team in place. But I. I can't stop talking to uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, brands and brand owners. I just get so, this is, you know, it's this fun. is why I get out of bed every morning yeah, to, to help you guys succeed. Well, Analia, thank you so much for um, shining your light on us and lighting up our brands and doing this. This is a great business. It's great for us. Like, I feel like an infomercial, but I'm really not. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on the show. Amazing having you. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you've had a, a great experience yeah, and a great been experience. awesome chatting. And Amanda, thank you for engineering as always. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's crazy. It's been three years, like nutso. Um, but I really appreciate all the support and the feedback and of course, sharing this with other founders or soon to be founders because we all need help and no one knows what the hell is going on most of the time. So I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.